It's that time. Your fix is here. College football is a year-round discussion with these two. Here's J.C. and Morgan. Mike Morgan of ESPN and J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports have you covered. Beginning right now. We are back and we are happy to be here. It is J.C. and Morgan. Mike Morgan, J.C. Sherbert, at Morgan on Air, at J.C. Sherbert. Love to hear from you as always, and hopefully you uh, will love hearing from us again after a little bit of a respite. Uh, been on the road, JC, doing uh, a lot of hoops and getting ready for uh, March Madness in the postseason. I know you've been hard at work, and before you know it, uh, spring football will be here, something that both of us will be uh, intertwined with. And, of course, as always, we're ready to talk college football on this podcast, and we've got uh, plenty to get into since we've been out. Um We'll kind of uh, hit the smorgasbord of uh, of subjects. I, I will tell you just one quick story for me, and maybe you can think of how this how this pertains to college football. I was trying to think of anything that was um, uh, analogous to it, but so I had the the South Carolina Alabama game, and the story was clearly Alabama, and the story was clearly Brandon Miller, and to say that was uh, one of the more interesting uh, experiences that I've ever had because all that all that news came out literally 24 hours before the game started. So it's an ESPN2 game, and the game's already uh, important because Alabama has become a, a major storyline just in general because they're that good. I've, I've said this before. They're the most talented team in college basketball this year. Then you add that footnote to the story and the controversy of should he play, should he not play, should he be suspended, should he be kicked off the team, who knew what, when, why, all that. We we fly in a sideline reporter. I mean, he just wakes up one day and it's like, yeah, you're on this story. And he uh, and, and Coley Harvey does a great job. He comes in and he's playing catch up and we're talking. And and then I got Seth Greenberg as my analyst, who is a 22 year head coach. Uh, so I've got some people to lean on with their opinions. And you hear from Nate Oates at, at practice and. Anyway, it was just it was it was nuts. And the game. Oh, by the way, the game was outstanding. And Brandon Miller put on a 41 point performance, the likes of which is one of the best individual performances I've seen falling college hoops in a long time. It really was uh, unreal. But, J.C., it made me think because I know we don't talk a ton about basketball on this. And we'll get into some during uh, March Madness and whatnot. It's not like we are against college basketball. It's just we know that our bread and butter is college football. But I was trying to think of the most controversial should he be allowed to play should he not be allowed to play in college football like even today as we're recording this tennessee's got stories of some of their assistant coaches getting show causes for the whole mcdonald's bag everything from the jeremy pruitt era you knew something was going to come out of that um that but the players never really like there was no there was no really like, oh, my goodness, should he play? Alabama had a guy under Nick Saban a few years ago due to getting in trouble off the field. It was it domestic domestic violence? And people were really coming down hard on Nick. How can you let him play? Um, that's fairly common. But this might be a new level. I mean, JC, I, I know people that don't follow a lick of college basketball. And boy, do they have strong opinions on this. And boy, were they all over this story. Uh, like stink on you know what, it, like white on rice. They were just everybody had to have a hot take on it. 
But I'm trying to think. Is can you think of a football equivalent to that in in recent years? Not not in terms of a, a legal like an actual legal situation. Um, maybe uh, you know the Cam Newton thing toward the end of the 2010 um, right football season caused a lot of issues just because. Well, a lot like Brandon Miller in, in that South Carolina game. Um, I, I'm not sure Bama wins that game uh, if right. it's not for him, obviously. Um, you know, Cam meant so much to Auburn. And and I think they sort of knew, hey, th- this dream season, if Cam doesn't play, is going to be, you know, out. The- so so there was some, some, some brushback. But that was over an NCAA issue that we wouldn't even have nowadays because – you know, 180 grand worth of NIL money for Cam Newton is well worth it. Oh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. well worth it, uh, especially about that point in the year where he's a household name and going to win the Heisman and be the number one pick of the draft and all that. Right. So, you know, that's the one thing I could think of where there was just like a lot of venom uh, by opposing by everybody involved in the sport about, well, I can't believe Auburn. Man, I can't believe he's playing. I can't believe blah, blah, blah. But it wasn't a a, a a legal issue where it came to, you know, most of the time when something like this happens, um, everybody goes down. Do you remember Baylor and Dave Bliss? Oh, that was uh, yeah. the all timer. I mean, that goes, everybody's got to go down. It doesn't get scummier than that. Yeah. And everybody's got to go down. And, you know, when, when something similar to this, this is a, just kind of a, you know, the facts, I would guess the facts are a little fuzzy, uh, you know, about like what exactly happened, uh, you know, because I think that what, yeah, it just kind of depends. And, and guns are such a, a hot button topic for everybody of every political stripe these days uh, to begin with. I think there's no excuse human being wise for what happened. I, I think that was just what was one of the most senseless, you know, and I live in Chicago most of the time, and there's senseless death here every day. Uh, right. That the thing that happened in Tuscaloosa floored me. I was like, why would, why would Darius, why, why would anybody that has any kind of life at all, you know, succumb to something like that? I mean, are your right. emotions that out of control? You know, and quite frankly, if your emotions are that out of control that you want to kill somebody over some squabble or something or some slight, then perhaps you should be in prison. Um, yeah. Now, I don't know, like, you know, what exactly, I know the story of what Brandon Miller allegedly did. I, you know, there, there's a lot of gray area there. I'm not excusing it. Uh, I agree. It's not the best look for the University of Alabama. Um, but there has to be something there that's keeping him out of legal peril. Um, well, it's and, two things. Uh, yeah. It's not his gun, and he didn't fire the gun. Three things. The third thing is, Three things. It's not his gun. Obviously, he didn't fire the gun. I say obviously that was misreported a thousand times in a thousand different ways. It was also reported that it was his gun. It's not. And he wasn't even involved in the altercation. Like, obviously, Miles and his buddy from D.C. had words with this guy and a female's involved. And Miller is not in that. They have the, the, the video and the audio of the whole altercation. Like, it's on tape. So it's not even a he said, she said, like it's actually they have all the uh, video of the altercation and Miller's not involved in it. And I, I've said this. I, I Nobody cares what my opinion is on this. Right. And that's what I uh, kind of went into the broadcast with. You know, Seth Greenberg is certainly a guy that 
you care about how he handles it. And I know he was, I don't want to speak for him, but I know that he was struggling with, okay, here's how I feel given this set of facts, but then new facts are coming out. I mean, literally hour by hour. And like I said, so much of it was improperly uh, reported, but, but, but those are the, those are the issues. And then the question becomes, what coach is going to suspend a player that has no legal uh, issues? Right. Again, they're not pressing any charges. They're not. I mean, basically, for all intents and purposes, Brandon Miller's role in all of it and his obligation to speak to the authorities is done. Um, now, that might sound to some as a little bit flip. It's not. I, for the record, I am a big. You do something as heinous as the guy who fired off those 11, 12 rounds, which could have killed other people, just happened to kill a poor woman that should not have lost her life. What I would do, I don't even want to say on this podcast. Like, I'm not one of these, oh, well, he deserves a second. No, 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 no. You you fired off a gun and took someone's life that didn't need to be done. Like, you're you're dead to me, so to speak. I, I, I mean, I, I just... I have no compassion in that situation, but I don't think the two, the whole, the way some people are framing it as Brandon Miller went out of his way to bring a loaded weapon to a guy about to commit a murder. There's a lot of holes in that take there. There just are. And how many coaches do you know, football and basketball? And let's be honest, those are the two sports that these type of stories circulate the around the most. It's also the two most successful sports in college athletics, and it's not even close. Um, how many coaches in that situation that are in reach of a national championship are going to kick a guy off the team where they don't necessarily have to? I, I, if you're really being honest about it, if you're really being honest about it, I, I think the number is low. I just do. So uh, take that for what it's worth. Um Nate put his foot in his mouth and he admitted it and he apologized and everything else. But to circle back to some of the other examples that you talk, I mean, the Cam Newton situation, of course, doesn't involve crime. And the other thing is uh, Gene Chizik, it was never a, should Gene sit Cam Newton? Like, I don't remember that being the media cry. The mm-hmm. media cry and, and so many fans and a lot of SEC fans, for that matter, the cry was, well, how does the NCAA not suspend this kid? What what are they doing? Why do we have an NCAA, right? I don't think it really fell on the doorstep of Gene. Gene Chizik was not going to suspend. And again, no other head coach was going to suspend Cam Newton. You're about to win a national championship. And you have no proof that he got illegal benefits. At least the proof wasn't enough to do anything for the NCAA. So he went out and played and won a national championship. The Baylor one you mentioned is just the all-timer where you've got a player that commits a murder and the coach knows about it. There's a cover-up, and it's just like, it's bad, I'm on bad, I'm on. I, I don't know if there's, has there been a 30 for 30? I guess there hasn't been a 30 for 30 on that. It's almost um, too bad to make a 30 for 30. I know, right? It's almost like, it. it's just, it is so, so awful in so many different ways. And I again, we're not sitting here, this one's worse than this one, which is worse than that one. But they're all different in their own uh, way, and and I, I'm I'm trying to keep, uh, I'm trying to not blur the lines here because there's so many other incidents where there's no there's nobody loses a life, and it's just a matter of should the should the coach 
suspend a kid or kick a kid off the team and it's it's the controversy but but this thing i mean it dominated every headline mm-hmm. for a week for a week and it's basketball not football so i i i shouldn't be surprised about and again it's alabama if this happens at new mexico state and they've got their own drama going on how many people are really giving their hot takes and their strong opinions and how much coverage does it get but it's alabama it's ala freaking bama and for much of the year they've been number one in the country so therefore it's gotten a ton of coverage and we'll continue just wait till march madness starts you can't ignore the story if you're cbs and turner and you're covering these games you have to get knee deep into these every time they play a game yeah, and Brian Kilbride, I mean, even three days ago, Mike, and you, your quote actually leads this story on USA Today. If there's any question about Brandon Miller, he answered it tonight with a career and performance indeed. And this guy kind of twisted your words. I'm, I'm sure you were talking about any question about all of this off the court affecting him as a player and not whether or not he should play, correct? Quoted on, on what? On what? Is, is it? I'm looking at it right now. USA Today, Brian Kalbroski, because uh, I, I Googled this to see how many headlines there were. Uh, USA Today Sports says if there is a, 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 the, the, the beginning of the story, if there's any question about Brandon Miller, he answered it tonight with a career performance indeed. That's how ESPN play-by-play announcer Mike Morgan ended the call. During an Alabama overtime victory, it was an especially curious thing to hear Morgan say, considering it was Miller's first game since the public learned of his alleged involvement in the death of Jamia Janae Harris. Now, I think that's completely unfair by the writer. Number one, he just yeah. quoted you out of there and didn't even ask you for context. Number no, two, I... I listened to the entire broadcast, and you were talking about if there's any question about how the off-the-court stuff would affect affected him his play. The... Of course. Yeah, of course, because that's, that's exactly your job. That's your job right. as a play-by-play guy. Yeah, so, I didn't take a, just for the record, I didn't take a, an opinion or I offered no. nothing on that. I didn't feel it was my place. Uh, again, exactly. I, don't, I didn't think people felt, they, they're not waiting on my opinion. The only well, you, person's you, you, opinion you, that mattered there was was Seth's in terms of the, of the and again, Coley's covering it. The, the question, the only thing we talked about is that at the beginning of the game, I thought he looked a little rattled, and I thought, okay, he might. You got you got fans chanting, "Lock him up!" You've got all this attention. Mm. He might c- crumble like a lot of twenty-year-old young men would, and clearly, he did not. He's he exactly. had the best game of his life. So I don't know what the writers even talk. I've never even heard of the writer. He never asked me about anything. Uh, USA Today has all these part-timers. <laughs> you know, it's, I, I don't know. This guy used to write for like. Hoops beat looks like an NBA guy, but you know, so, so that just shows you how the media is like all in on this thing to where even they're pulling quotes off of broadcasts and, and trying to sort of play, you know, uh, fault police for be- right. lack of a better term and, and wanting people to give opinions on it where, you know, it's not their place to give an opinion, especially when you, when you said you got Seth Greenberg sitting there and Coley Harvey's an excellent reporter. Uh, they're on the sidelines for that game. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, even you were taken out of context. And this also shows you, you know, you talked about, oh, well, is it his gun or not his gun? And this is misreported and that's misreported. How things like this, when somebody, when they want to produce a narrative. And like I said, it makes me sick to think about what actually happened. And I'm not defending Brandon Miller in any way. I'm defending the facts, whatever mm-hmm. they are. Okay. Right. And, and the, the point is, we don't know. You know, and if somebody is in the wrong about this, I mean, the Tuscaloosa DA said 
we can't charge him. He didn't do anything wrong under Alabama state law. Right. right. So if he didn't do anything wrong, it didn't, I mean, you know, uh, you know, sometimes the feds will make, you know, come swoop in with some kind of weird thing to charge somebody with, but, uh, you know, it, he didn't state of Alabama says he didn't do anything wrong. He did anything wrong. Um, and, and it just kind of shows you how like anybody who doesn't fall in line with the narrative, even if it's not factual, you know, and, and this is a horrific thing. Anybody that doesn't fall in line is subject to having whatever they say and however they do their job in this space questioned. And I, and it just, it's sad. And um, yeah, it's unfortunate. That's the first know, I've actually, uh, first I've actually heard of it. I haven't, uh, oh, I didn't mean to hit you with it. I'm sure. I thought no, you it's okay. Out of I, I didn't mean to hit you. It, it's nothing. Look, nothing surprises me. I, I knew when we opened up that any, there were going to be people looking to pounce on anything that was said. Well, the first thing we did, by the way, and, and a lot of it wasn't seen because we were what we called gypped, joined in progress, which means we start on ESPN plus before we switch over to the end of the other game that ran long. But the first thing we did in our open uh, was offer compassion to the victim. That's the very yeah. first thing we started with. Then we got into, and the, the only question I, I asked Seth about in the open was, as a 22-year head coach, what goes through your mind on the process uh, of how to handle this situation? And Seth basically talked about, well, you know, as a coach, you're kind of, you're outranked here by the administration, the school president. I mean, that's where it all starts. You know, as a head coach, you don't, you don't have the the final say in everything on all that. There's people that rank above you uh, on that on that scenario and on on that situation. And then and then of course the, the once the game takes over, uh, it's not it's not my job uh, or for that matter anybody's job on the broadcast to sit there and wax poetic about you know what you what your opinion is of how it should be done in the next two hours. It's document the game because that's what most people yeah. are tuning in for. So we documented the game and I had a question as to whether or not, and I would have certainly not been surprised if this happened. Uh, Brandon Miller could have just fallen all over himself. I mean, he could have yeah. had the worst game of his life because he's got all this, th all this attention, all the things that must be going through his head of a tragic situation. And I'm, I'd like to think he has compassion for the victim as well. I haven't talked to him about it. We weren't allowed to talk to players, which is not surprising in that situation. Uh, and then the 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 end, which I guess is what he's talking about, is if there was any question whether or not Brandon Miller would be distracted to the point where he wouldn't have the ability to play well at all. Obviously, that was answered where he scores forty one points and has a career night. So anyway, that's yeah, totally that's, that's yeah that's a that's a whole it's it's it is funny that somebody would quote use a quote out of context and not actually um, yeah. ask Curious. for. Uh, yeah. 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 But anyway, um, I don't want to get too, too uh, knee deep into that, but, it, you know, it, it's the story that dominated the headlines uh, for a week. And again, the story won't be done in itself. And I was trying to make a parallel and, and think about it in in football terms, because we have I mean, look, every year a football player gets in trouble and we've had some tragic, tragic stuff happen to football players, crimes committed by football players. Uh, it you know it's so often it just mirrors society as a whole where there are tragic events that happen and they do involve college football players but I, I couldn't think of anything quite like this I, I mm -hmm. thought it was in kind of a a unique um, category all right the the awkward segue from that into other things is I think the biggest story almost when we left off and and where we are now is uh 
is where is the Pac-12? Because this has ripple effects, even if you don't care at all about the Pac-12. The Pac-12's lack of a TV deal at this point, the Pac-12's unstable existence at this point, George Klyovkov, uh just telling everybody things are going to be all right. We're just we're, we're, we're working on the new TV deal, and we've heard everything from Apple TV to Amazon – um and other network uh executives chiming in here and there nobody knows what's going to happen and on top uh, while that's going on simultaneously there's clearly some flirtation going on behind the scenes with current pac-12 member schools and other conferences and there's reports out there that there's a distinct possibility washington and oregon two of the uh, top chess pieces left on the board if you're the Pac-12 conference. After already about to lose UCLA and Southern Cal, you could lose Oregon and Washington of the Big Ten. And if that happens, well, now it develops almost a shark effect, and the other programs start looking at the Big 12. And before you know it, you don't have a Pac-12. I mean, that might sound like hyperbole, but when you think about it, it's not that far-fetched. It's not, and it's one of those things where you're kind of like, yeah, um, because you, yeah, I do think there is a need for college athletics on the West Coast, right? Uh, and and for it not to be, I mean, and I don't know, you know, maybe it's back when I was a kid, and the Atlanta Braves were in the NL West. Remember that? Mm-hmm. The, the Braves Absolutely. would have to go to San Francisco and San Diego and L.A. for a nine-game road trip three times a year. Uh, I kind of like my geography, you know, and I, I know it doesn't make a lot of sense, but um, the problem is, you know, with the Pac-12 is that they've had a competitive issue in just about all sports, with the exception of the pandemic year in men's basketball, where I think you had, what, six teams make the tournament, Oregon State made the Elite Eight and all this other happy stuff. Um you you have football brands out there that are that are emerging that are always going to be valuable, but you also have, you know, some situations where in the playoff era they haven't really made a dent, uh, and then they didn't make it this year, you know, again, and um, it, it so, so you have all those competitive things, and then you just had a terrible television deal uh, when you tried to go on your own rather than, you know, everybody else partnered with somebody, right? Um, not the Pac-12. <laughs> and uh, that gets back to why you don't hire a tennis guy to, to be your, your commissioner. Because uh, Larry Scott made some incredibly terrible uh, decisions when it came to that. And, you know, losing your two linchpins like that, it's tough. I mean, w- what you really have to do, uh, I think, you know, because see, the Big 12, that was the league that was supposed to fall apart. And that commissioner's come in and re-solidified everything, and their television deal actually got better than it was. And uh, it's it's better than the ACC's right now. And, and I think what you got to explore if you're the Pac-12 is what I would call patient expansion. Um, and I'll say this, you know, you need to go add San Diego State and UNLV tomorrow because those are big population centers and have them kind of grow with the league. Uh, I think you need to look at adding Boise State because the state of Idaho uh, is one of the uh, fastest growing states in the country. So it's kind of like when you hedge your bets with UCF in the 90s, <laughs> uh, that kind of thing. Um, you know, and, and I think you need to kind of look at 
you know, re-solidifying it, not necessarily from a competitive standpoint, but from a a TV market standpoint and, and a and a we care kind of standpoint. And I don't I don't I don't know if it's it's realistic, you know, because unlike in the West or in the East, Mike, where okay, let, let's say let's say the the SEC had to expand, right? Yeah, we got to expand, or we're gonna lose it. Now that's unrealistic, but let's just say they had to. You go add West Virginia, UCF, East Carolina, somebody like that. And West Virginia is obviously better than East Carolina and, and UCF is better than uh, probably both of them right now. But I, I, my point is there are schools and population bases that actually care uh, that are, you know, that, that are with perfect sense that can grow up with your league or you can just go raid the ACC. There's nobody to take if you're the Pac-12. Unless you go dip into the Mountain West, San Diego State and SMU are the two big rumors. Yeah, and and I would not go at SMU. I would uh, maybe San I would. Diego State makes sense to me. Yeah, San Diego State's fine. It's a big school. It's 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 in Southern California. You need something there. Um, I would go UNLV because Vegas yeah. is such an emerging market and growing. And I would also go Boise State because. Like I said, when you look at population uh, demographics, and as a recruiting guy, I look at this because it directly impacts recruiting, especially in the sport of football. Idaho is a fast-growing state. There are people moving in droves from California to Idaho right now, and we don't need to talk about all those reasons because it's not a political show. But, uh, man, that's what I would do is just say, all right, well, you know, you you guys, Boise State, San Diego State, UNLV, and if you want to go – have an outpost in Dallas just to have your toe over there and put SMU in it. Fine. But uh, that's what I do. Cause otherwise here's, what's also going to happen. Once Texas and Oklahoma bolt, it makes all the sense in the world, Mike, for the big 12 to add the Arizona schools, Colorado and Utah, doesn't it? Oh, if, if, if they, I'm sure, well, it would not surprise me. Let's say if those conversations haven't been <laughs> broached already in some smoke filled rooms, mm. Maybe they don't smoke. We got to find a, a different expression for that. There's got to be another yeah. way to, to connotate like it's heavy thinking in a room, but but most people don't smoke anymore. But a something filled room that's been discussed. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They they call them the four corner schools, but I mean, shoot, you know, Utah and BYU all of a sudden are in the same league. Colorado's back sort of where they used to be, uh, and then Arizona and Arizona State again population growth. That state's been growing like crazy for a long, long time. Uh, and all of a sudden, you you have a, a league that stretches from the Pacific time zone at least part of the year because Arizona's not in Pacific time half the year, uh, all the way, you know, to Florida. <laughs> I mean, three time zones. You, you can't beat that if you're trying to be another, quote, unquote, national conference. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what's going to happen. The Pac-12 is like, I think they're kind of stuck between a rock and the hard place. And honestly, Mike, if they go all streaming right now, if this were 10, 15 years from now, maybe it's a different story. But you know, and I know, look, yes, people have been cutting cords. And yes, there's not, it's not as, it's not the golden uh, waterfall that it used to be. But there is still, there's still so much money in cable television and television ads, subscriptions, all that. I mean, if you're not on TV and you and and, and all of your games have to be streamed, <sighs> uh, it just you know, I go back to Larry Scott, um, and again, his background was in women's tennis, just like 
you know, the big former Big Ten commissioner's background was was I know he was in the NFL, but it was a legal background. These were not college campus backgrounds. These were not former ADs or they weren't with uh, college conferences. And I think sometimes that inexperience in those areas shows. And sometimes you overthink things. Uh, the Pac-12 should have just made a deal with either Fox or ESPN years ago. Instead, they tried to launch their own network and it's been an abject disaster. I realize streaming is bigger than ever, but you're right, JC. It's a calculated gamble to just go away completely from from linear TV. I you might be overthinking it if you do that. I, I'm just I'm just saying I, I don't know if that's if that is the answer. But if you believe the reports out there, they're not getting the price tag offers from the linear networks that they had hoped for. So then it becomes a, a a question of simply this. Are you going to take the highest bid over the better exposure? Are you going to take the better exposure over the highest bid? And that's really what's facing Klyovkov in the Pac-12 right now. Mm -hmm. Are you going to sacrifice some millions in order to really give your league? Because remember, it's not just the fact that you can get the game in a myriad of different ways. But when you're just streaming it, you don't have the promotions 24 hours a day, seven days a week. People aren't pumping up your game. Yeah, if I really want to see it, I'll go to whatever device I have to to find it and watch it. But that's not the only advantage of being on TV. It's the constant promotion and discussion about your team, about your coach, about your players leading up to those ball games, And you don't have that when you're just going on a streaming service. Agreed. I mean, it, it's a, you're really catering to endemic audiences. And um, I, I, I'll say this, it, it's good to have an endemic audience, uh, you know, uh, as someone that's been in the subscription website business, that's a very good base to have. Um, but it's nothing like a broad channel water hose fire hose audience you know mm-hmm. uh, with constant promotion it's just it, uh, the way we consume content it, it, you know on television you know televised sports it's just not there yet i mean maybe there will be a day but i mean we're not we're not you know i, I think even through this sort of cycle of tv deals in college athletics we're not going to be there during this cycle and and i think that's uh you know that that that's tough, and I hate it because the the old heart breaks for the Pac-12 because you know there's good football out there, there's good athletics out there. They, you know, the, the, they care about the sport of football. The state of California, believe it or not, those that aren't, that aren't trying to kill it. And um, <laughs> I, you know, good high school football out there. I mean, it, it is it is not. It's not like New York where you know if if you find a uh, a great high school football player in the state of New York that's got offers from everybody. It's, it's somewhat, it's like Sasquatch, you know, you know, you're like, Oh, wow. You know, mm-hmm. um, but California puts out the more, more NFL players than anybody else. Part of that's because of the size, but you know, you go to the high schools out there and you see the fields and the facilities and the coaches and you know, the weather is perfect to, to, to train year round and stuff like that. It's just sad. Because well, Cal- all, you're all absolutely players right. are going to be leaving. You know, they're right. all going to go east. Well, know? and that's already that's already been a trend. And mm-hmm. and again, part of that is is because they've had a lousy media deal situation. Um, 
you but the the other thing is is that you need the promotion people say why do you need that what what's the because if you do go to california and everything you said is true and there's so many good things about it uh in terms of uh, the the talent that comes out of there some history and tradition some juggernaut high school programs that you can see broadcasted nationally during the the high school showcases on espn and other outlets but but when you go there, like as I've been there a few times the last couple of years to, to do NFL games. And when you do that and you turn on sports talk radio or you just kind of it is still always you're always going to play second fiddle to pro. Mm-hmm. It's 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 an NFL town now with two NFL teams in Los Angeles alone. Um, it's a, a Lakers town. It's a, a Dodgers town. They love them some Southern Cal. And there's some people that do like. UCLA Some. and Stanford, but, but though it's not in the cult, like it's not woven in the coverage of everyday discussion in California, the mm-hmm. way that we're used to in cities like Atlanta, Birmingham, Charlotte, uh, Nashville. I mean, your typical Southern city, Texas, Dallas. Yeah. You're battling the Cowboys there, but like if you're doing a radio show in Dallas or Houston, you better be prepared to know Texas, Texas A&M, because there's a ton of alums that love them some college football, and they expect you to keep up with it. If you're doing a talk show in L.A., I don't even know if you know the starting wide receiver on Southern Cal's name, because you don't have to, because you're talking about LeBron three hours a day. So it's just it's a different deal. So why do I say all that? Because you need to, that's why you need to be on a platform that is going to cover you not just for those four hours on game day, but throughout. And you don't get that if it's just appointment streaming TV. You don't have a pregame show. You don't have a a lead up to the week. You don't have. You just you're missing out on a lot of different things. So, I, I look. I hope it works out. You and I have talked about this for years since we started this. We all have our 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 backgrounds, and we love we love us some Southern football. But we have never on this show felt the need to kind of pound our chest and you know and hope for the demise of every other league in the country and hope that. You know, the, the Pac-12 self-destructs no. and the Big Ten just completely, uh, you know, takes the gas pipe and and survival of the fittest and Darwinism. That's never – I think college football is at its best when you have relevance throughout the nation's footprint, not just in one part of the country, which is kind of what we had. Somebody came up with a really good, like a map, and it showed it, in color the, the, the cities that have won the national title – after Texas's 2005, or uh, Southern Cal's rather, 2000. So Southern, well, Texas was 05 with Vince Young. Texas, uh, Southern Cal was 04. 04. Okay. So from 05 on, have we had any, anybody west of Texas? I don't think so. Nope. They, you've had uh, Oregon's played for it twice. Correct. They won it. Yeah. And that's it. And that's and think about that. That's almost 20 years of national championship games and playoffs. And there's been so little representation uh, west of El Paso. I don't know. So anyway, um, it's going to be really interesting. And we keep hearing like the 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 deadline keeps being pushed back. Like it's not an official deadline, but you keep hearing the the Pete Thamels of the world that do a great job of covering stories like this. Well, we're expecting to hear something this week. Or we're expecting to hear something next week. Next week. Next week. It just keeps keeps getting keeps getting put off. And we're embarking on March. Tomorrow is March 1st. 
and we still don't have uh, answers to those questions. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, Mac Rhodes is probably one of the best ADs in the country at, at the aforementioned Baylor. Um, really good AD uh, says the Big Twelve is going to be ready if uh, the Pac twelve does indeed fall apart. And you know, and they get back to Oregon too. I mean, Oregon has built a national brand because of Nike and and kind of for to a lesser extent their style of play and uniforms. To be honest. Um, how are they supposed to go recruit if they're never on TV? I mean, you know, that mm-hmm. that's even with Nike and all the bells and whistles and everything online. How, if you're like, if you're trying to decide between Stanford and Northwestern and you're a great academic student, unless Stanford just has a better academic program, uh, you're probably going to Northwestern. Well, I mean, you know, the weather could play a factor, but you're probably, you know, if, if you also have aspirations to be a daggum good football player, you know, that kind of that Northwestern Vanderbilt Duke Stanford quad quad right there, you know, you're probably not, you're probably going to look less at Stanford. Whereas, you know, for a long time there, Stanford was probably the number one choice out of those four schools, you know, by far because of their football tradition. I mean, you know, and and if you're the Arizonas and Colorados and Utahs, I think you're going to be fine either way. Cause like you said, I think they're going to, the big 12 is just going to gobble those schools up. It makes too much sense otherwise. It it does, and 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 the Big Twelve, unlike the Pac twelve, they they have their TV deal done. That's not the longest ter- deal in the world, but they're on solid ground for a while. I've said this many times after after the you know the shock to the system of losing Texas and Oklahoma. You did the best possible thing you could, and you did so in a relatively short amount of time, adding the four that you did right. So I mean, I I think and the Big Twelve is now actually twelve again. And you added four. It wasn't just like, well, we're trying to get a team like SMU because they're in a big city. No, it, it's four legit programs that add something to that league. Does it replace Texas and Oklahoma? Not necessarily, but sometimes strength can come in numbers. And if you if you were able to get a couple more from the Pac-12, goodness, all of a sudden now, that takes on a different life of its own. And just kind of piggybacking on all that, the Florida State and Clemson storyline of, of trying to leave the ACC it never goes away. I mean, there's another article. Uh, our our friend Barrett Salee, who's been on with us here on JC and Morgan before, before, talking about the fact that you know there there's so much talk uh, about whether or not they are going to be able to to go. I mean, clearly there has been some a wandering eye with those two programs, but if, if you look at how punitive it would be to leave financially. Um, it's it's not as easy as people think. So I keep hearing people say like, "Oh, it's done." Like you're going to see Florida State and Clemson in the SEC. I'm like, do you, have, have you read the fine print of that contract? Like that's that's really hard to do. Uh, yeah, yeah, it it is a it's a it's it's a it's a it's a finger cuffs kind of contract. You're sort of stuck. Um, and you know, even the way I've read it too, even if they paid the 120 million to leave. The ACC, ACC, ACC still has the rights, you know. So, and and here's the other thing: what league is uh, beating down the door to to is the SEC beating down the door to add Clemson and Florida State? I'm sure they take a look at it, but you know, Texas and Oklahoma, that's, that's a little bit different than those two. And, and Clemson and FSU are great brands, but you know, it doesn't. I don't know that it moves the needle as much. No offense to Clemson or FSU at all. I I think the SEC would actually be more interested in North Carolina and Virginia if the ACC fell apart, just because they that would take them with that would put two more flagship 
schools, uh, which the, the SEC seems to like uh, in their in their portfolio, and then um, two states that they are not in right now. Um, mm-hmm. And two pretty good brands, both academically and athletically, although, you know, they're probably not going to be uh, – you know, as I mean, they they would probably struggle a little bit once they got in the SEC, but uh, you know, in football especially. But man, I, I just you know, Clemson to Florida State's interesting. I I think that the, at the end of the day, and, and I'll wrap up my thoughts on this. I think both schools in, in North Carolina as well, because a, a, one of our most connected North Carolina writers on on twenty four seven Sports, Buck Sanders, he's been covering that program for thirty years, mentioned dissolving the ACC. So. If you now North Carolina, from their perspective, talking about dissolving the ACC is like Alabama talking about dissolving the SEC. Uh, but we're also living in a world where Texas left the Big 12. So, you know, I don't know how much that means anymore. Um, but, but then the problem you run into there, okay, so Clemson, UNC, Florida State, uh, name a fourth, Miami, Virginia Tech, Virginia, somebody like that. Well, then how are you going to get four more teams that aren't going to have anywhere to go? Uh, unless unless you come up with something to where, I don't know, you're forming a completely new conference with, you know, the NC States and, and Virginia Techs of the world. And, you know, you add West Virginia and it becomes something like the old Big East. Um, yeah, I think that would be worth probably more than, you know, some conferences these days. But, you know, it, it, th- those schools are stuck. So I think what they're trying to angle for, Mike, is uneven revenue sharing similar to what the big 12 had uh, mm-hmm. when, when Texas and Oklahoma were like, Oh, well, we're pulling our weight around here. You guys aren't. Uh, so we get more money. And, and, and I think that, you know, just to avoid anything kind of messy, that's what's going to happen. I, I do credit the Florida state AD and, and president and those folks with pushing the envelope forward on it. <laughs> And not letting it die because uh, I, I do think it's a little, when you look at how the composition of that league, it is a little unfair that Wake Forest that doesn't spend nearly as much on the sport gets just as much as Florida State and Clemson. You know, I, I do think that when you, you know, it is a little bit more fair for the bigger brands in that particular league. It, it's going to be the, the gap of revenue between the SEC Big Ten which is kind of like the big two right now versus the other conferences, including the ACC. I mean, it's, it's not a little gap. It's a chasm. And that's, that's what's causing some people to hit the panic button there. It's like, you know, one year of being uh, out financed by $30 million is one thing, but if, if this is going to be over a 10 year span, well, then that's like $300 million. And obviously that's going to yield better results for the schools that have the extra 300 million. So I get it. Um, I just don't, I don't see anything happening. I, I don't, first off, I don't think the SEC is like begging for any additions right now. They're about to be, and we should add Oklahoma and Texas, as we have predicted on this podcast, they are getting in a year early. So 2023 is the last year we're talking about a 14 team league. From 2024 on, it's a 16-team league. And then, of course, the thing that I think will will probably come out during the uh, AD's meetings in Destin in, what, a month and a half will be the new schedule model. 
because that's going to be the next domino to drop from an SEC standpoint. But it's all coming together. I mean, everything we hoped for it was it, it. I always wanted just everything to be nice and clean and tidy in 2024, and not have to wait. Well, then another year this happens, and then another. <laughs> uh, the the playoffs expanded. The SEC is expanded. The Big Ten is expanded. Like all in 2024, it, it all the, the dust settles. And it is what it is at that point, but we can all just kind of catch our breath depending on what happens in the Pac-12. So um, anyway, I, I just don't, don't think the SEC right now is sitting there and going, what do we do to div- divvy up the pie two more slices? Because that's the way it does work. And it, believe it or not, Vanderbilt gets the same amount of money as Georgia. That's mm-hmm. the way it's been, and that's the way it, it it will be in terms of the way they split up the the TV revenues. And I don't think that's changing anytime soon. And I don't think that they're looking to add two more just for the sake of, you know, world domination. The SEC doesn't need that. It, it, I mean, again, nothing bad necessarily comes out of adding a Florida state or a Clemson, or, but I don't think the SEC is sitting there going, that's what we need. The SEC after Oklahoma and Texas settle in truly needs nothing. <laughs> it's just like, sometimes it's okay to walk away with the best hand at the table. Um, as we kind of wrap things up here, and before we get into the next subject, I do want to, as always, mention our great sponsor, Blue Delta Jeans, bluedeltajeans.com. Uh, they continue to add, they, they returned the, uh, by popular demand, it was a limited time only, the acid-washed jeans are now on there. They've got jackets now on there. They've got hats. So they're continuing to expand because people just want more and more of that quality that Blue Delta has. And of course, it all starts with the pants. It all starts with the very best fitting pants, the very best quality that'll last forever, that'll help you look your very best and feel your very best. And as JC can tell you, you don't have to go to the store to get sized up. You can do it online and they will fit you like a glove. That's Blue Delta Jeans, bluedeltajeans.com. Just a great American success story that is Blue Delta Jeans. Anything else out there, JC, that uh, has kind of come across your desk if you will and said mm, that's that's interesting you mentioned the tennessee show calls thing i didn't want to mention mike bobo and todd mocking yep. uh, i.e georgia oc i you know i know we have a lot of bulldog listeners and i know i've basically uh constructed a small statue on my desk of todd mocking this past <laughs> season because i i just think he's done a tremendous he did a tremendous job and he's heading to the ravens and so Kirby Smart's got the band now officially has the band back together. All right. Cause you got Kirby, you got uh Will Muschamp, and you got Mike Bobo. <laughs> Those are your two coordinators that mm-hmm. uh, yeah, back in 96, 97, 95. I mean, that was who knew that when we were watching the Bulldogs on Jefferson Pilot, uh, their good friend <laughs> Bob Kessling calling it that uh that those guys would all be uh leading Georgia. Uh, you know, I think if there was a guy to replace Todd Monk, and I think Mike Bobo makes perfect sense. He, you know, uh, I think the, I really think a lot of the guy, I mean, South Carolina people don't like the way he left, but, you know, the guy did a great job in a ridiculously bad situation, personnel wise and just distraction wise during COVID. And it was uh, ridiculously bad because of, in part, uh, COVID quarterback. And then Muschamp, you know, was the head coach, obviously got fired. Mike went 0 3 as the interim. But, uh, you know, he, I, I think he'll do a fantastic job at Georgia's second go around. And um, he's evolved as a play caller. I think he's a, a very talented play caller. I do think Georgia's offense will look a little different. I think 
you're going to see a little bit more of the power run because Mike Bobo is one of the best coordinators in the country at the power run game. I mean, he's, he's really good. Uh, and uh, I think you're, you'll see Georgia get back to a little bit more of that, but uh, he's good at coaching quarterbacks. You know, they're going to have a new quarterback next year. And, uh, you know, c- kind of just, you know, I said a few years ago when in 2017, Georgia fans live the dream in 2017 because they got a road, had a road game at Notre Dame, right? Then you have uh, the Rose Bowl in the semis. <laughs> And then you get to come home and play your hated border rival in Mercedes-Benz for the national championship. What a dream season. Well, I think Kirby Smart's living the dream now, back-to-back national champions. And uh, he's got all his buddies coaching with him now from back in the day. They're all dogs. So uh, I think there's something to be said for that. I mean, Dabo Sweeney at Clemson is, you know, and I know he hired Garrett Riley or whatever and had to make that change, but you look at him through the years, a lot of Clemson guys, a lot of guys he knew from Alabama uh, on his coaching staff. And and that seems to be kind of the, the route Kirby's taken. And, and I, th- I think that could be very successful because those people know what you're about as a head coach. Uh, they know about what the program's about uh, and, and they put a lot into it. And so I, I, I'm happy for Bobo, happy for Kirby. Uh, I don't know that you could just replace Todd Markin, no matter who you replace him with, because – like I said, he was in the zone, but uh, something tells me George will be just fine uh, with that. So that was a kind of the big, I guess, assistant coach uh, coordinator change that's happened since we've been on. And I, I just, I can't, you know, I, I would be one that would be on uh, team grading this an A plus, a great hire, you know, for the dogs. Yeah, and and the monk the monkin thing has been um, rumored for a while, only because. He he's never been enthralled with recruiting. A lot of coaches are not, and quite frankly, they haven't asked him to do a ton of it. Um, in, in some ways, Georgia's recruits itself, and you got Kirby's a great closer, and you got other people on the staff. But you do have to be somewhat immersed in it, uh, even if you're not on the road every day and, and grinding like some other assistant coaches. And then, of course, the NFL—they're not—they're not going to lose a bidding war. Georgia's got plenty of money, but you're not going to lose a bidding war to a, a university if you're an NFL franchise. I think it's a little bit curious because you're walking into a situation where you don't know what the future is of Lamar Jackson. You don't know—he's um, been banged up the last couple of years, and they haven't been done much in the playoffs at all. Maybe that's a way you can look at it. Like I'm going to be the one that gets him over the top, or it could be. That whole thing self-destructs, and before you know it, coaches in the NFL get fired like it's a bodily function, and the next thing you know, Todd Munkin is going, maybe I've had a pretty good in Athens and should have just stayed. But I, I, I'm not being critical at all. It's an opportunity, and um, wish him well on that. And like you said, I, I think if nothing else, Georgia made the safe hires that will will fit in – I mean – that's about as seamless a transition to have those two guys running your offense and defense based on the tie-ins you talked about. Um, the other one, the Patrick Tony left the Gators defensive coordinator job. Yeah. He went, he takes an NFL job with the Arizona Cardinals. Three coaches. So, and then they poach an assistant from Alabama. Uh, so it, it's kind of what we've come used to now, right? Like this, this happens every off season. I the think bigger the problem NFL, for Florida is not X's and O's. They, they had no talent. I mean, they had very little talent on defense last year, and it got exposed. Oh, yeah, exactly. A very few games that they play well. I, I think Austin Armstrong, too, though, Mike, 
that's a sneaky good hire. People are going to look at it and they're like, well, you know, you hired Saban's linebackers coach to be your court. Well, he's coordinator at Southern Miss and Southern Miss, a once proud program is actually kind of has rebounded recently. Um, I feel bad for them because of conference affiliation to a certain extent, but I think the Sun Belt's going to work out pretty well for them. But Austin Armstrong is one of the rising stars uh, in, in the whole shebang, and he did a great job on that Southern Miss defense. I think Florida's taking a step forward uh, on D. You know, I like you said, it probably wasn't a coaching issue with them uh, last year on defense, so they may have to recruit their way out of it, but I think he's going to be fine. Uh, and, you know, but, but three, you know, Florida's tight ends coach and their receivers coach all left for the NFL as well. I'm going to tell you this, as I've said before, because now you have to be a babysitter or a recruiter 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. Um, college coaches used to not want to go to the league because the money's the same in college, maybe a little bit better. Uh, you have you know, a lot more time off to spend with your family. Um, and you look at the NFL, they're grinding 12 days of 12 hours a week or, or I'm sorry, 12 hours a day. And in college, you're limited. Well, now being a college coach means so much more than just ball. Let's just football. And so I think you're going to start seeing a lot of college coaches, especially assistants, jump at the opportunity when they get a chance for the NFL. Not all of them, but a lot of them, because honestly, man, there's just a lot on these guys. Uh, having to keep your roster intact all the time, the recruiting aspect of it, which never stops now, um, you know, making sure your guys don't transfer all that, you know, whereas in the NFL, yes, you have to work 12 hours a day during the season, but you're mostly just working on football, which is what most of these guys want to do. They want to sit around and draw things up all day and watch film. <laughs> that's what, that's their dream, you know? And, uh, and so I think uh, uh, in a lot of ways, this is something you're going to see more, of is uh, instead of coaches leaving colleges for other colleges, you're still going to have that. But you're going to see a lot more guys that, whereas under the old system would have been lifers in college, uh, take the NFL job if it comes their way. Uh, you know, especially the money's kind of the same in a lot of ways, maybe not all the time, but, uh, you know, just because of the hassle and and the quality of life, because, you know, college football coaches now, the job is so much more than it used to be. I totally agree. I've told the story about one of the last games I had was an Alabama game. And, you know, when you get ready on the production side, uh, you meet with the coaches. We sat with Nick Saban for a half hour. And I would say at least half of that was Nick unprompted going off on a uh, diatribe about NIL and the portal. And he wasn't real happy about any of it. And that's a guy that's coaching I mean, 1A, 1B, the premier program in college football, obviously Georgia's got a say in that right now. And you would think his life is less stressful than the other guy who's coaching Illinois uh, or who's coaching Mississippi State because you've got so many inherent advantages, thanks in large part to what Nick Saban built himself. But I, I, I without naming names, I mean, I can just tell you almost every coach – there was a sense of misery about what's going on right now. And I almost think that if we're, we're going to keep going this route. Just go ahead and um, set up a situation where every program can have a, a, a de facto general manager that is in charge of That's- NIL, that is in charge of keeping in touch, looking at quote unquote, don't want to use the word payroll, uh, 
keeping tabs on what everybody is making in NIL deals and what it's going to take to make sure that they uh, stay and, and not defect for an NIL deal that pays an extra 50 grand somewhere else. You have to have somebody that that is on and not just head coach and two coordinators. It's already starting in a lot of programs. Mm -hmm. And and I think, uh, you know, basketball has sort of been ahead of football and I don't know what they're going to do in basketball. That's a totally different subject, but uh, uh, it's because I I deal with baseball, basketball, men's basketball and football Mm -hmm. basketball. There's been all this transferring anyway, and, and it's kind of been a, your head's on a swivel anyway. NIL is a part of it now, so it's much more financial. But, you know, football has been about eight, nine months behind hoops in terms of, like, the transfer portal last offseason was not as – until the Jordan Addison thing happened, it wasn't as NIL-focused, right? Now it's basically becoming free agency, and NIL has everything to do with it. Uh, you know, baseball coaches at the college level, as you know, Mike, they have 11.7 scholarships. They're sort of used to doing this anyway, <laughs> piecing money together here and there. This guy gets books. This guy gets that. Um, so, so that sport actually is probably the most suited to deal with this, but I've noticed, you know, in this off season, a lot of your player personnel, director guys, uh, off can off the field staff type guys, you know, they're, they're starting to kind of go, wow, you know, this is, we got to figure this out and have a system in place or, or we're going to get, you know, just, you know, rated every off season. Um, and, and so I think that is going to happen. You're, you're going to have to have, you know, somebody sweating it. If uh, you know, how much NIL money is he getting? How much does he need? You know, what are his needs, you know, financially at home? Um, you know, who's he talking to that kind of thing, because, you know, otherwise it's just going to be chaotic and it's going to be impossible. Uh, I think for, for, you know, to keep up with your roster in a given year. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, it could be worse. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think we're at the point where people need to tune out the sport yet, but, uh, you know, that there, there does, you know, there is going to be another layer uh, of everything in, in this sport, you know, beyond, uh, which I don't ever think Congress is going to do anything about it, beyond regulations from the law, uh, another layer to this to kind of ward against, um, you know, your roster not being intact after one year. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, and like you said, basketball, I know like Kentucky has somebody that that's their primary responsibility is NIL. It's like the czar of NIL. Uh, yeah. And I think we're clearly seeing uh, movement in that direction in football as well. I'll leave you with this. This is from uh, FD Sportsbook. Early lines in college football. Mm-hmm. Already out. Uh, Tar Heels, one and a half point favorite against the Gamecocks in Charlotte. That's week one, right? Yeah, uh, it's probably looking at the schedule. I think that's got a chance to be the the primetime game because it's uh, 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 Drake May versus Spencer Rattler. That's a big time quarterback matchup. Yeah, that's and, pretty good. Uh, that's yeah, pretty I mean, good deal. T- you've got some competition. TCU, Colorado, but I would, maybe that's a Fox deal. I don't know. Um, who else? TCU um, is a 17 and a half point favorite against Dion's Buffaloes. Yeah, it's going to be. By the way, we went a whole podcast without mentioning Dion before that. Well, Dion Sanders, if you say his name twice in, in the mirror, he appears. Right? <laughs> Dion Sanders, Dion Sanders, Dion Sanders. Now, I, I'll say this about Dion. 
he hired probably he made probably the best outside of Bobby Petrino, which you kind of wonder how that's going to work. He made the best offseason offensive coordinator hire. He hired the coach from Kent State, Sean Lewis. Mm-hmm. Watch out for that guy. He's a stud. Yeah. He, you know, don't it doesn't matter if Dion can coach a lick of offense. No, you know, this guy is, I mean, look, a lot of you out there in the audience probably watched the Kent, Kent State Georgia game. I had him year. against Oklahoma. Yeah. I mean, that guy is uh he's from Chicago. Uh, I'm uh, you know, Illinois is obviously doing really well with Brett Bielema right now, but I, I thought Illinois was just insane to not hire him. It's really hard to win at Kent State, man. <laughs> I mean, and, and he had him really competitive. So I uh, look out for that. Look out for that. I'm just going to say that about that. But yeah, yeah. I, I think I think North Carolina, South Carolina has got a shot because LSU, Florida State's on a Sunday. That's know? right. And so that wouldn't do it. So I don't know. Maybe maybe the way, maybe they do get it. Uh, since you mentioned it, that game. Oh, I just had it. I just had it. I just had it. Son of a gun. I lost it. Okay. Let me go back down the line. Florida State is a one-point favorite against LSU in Orlando. Hmm. Uh, Bama, Texas. Bama's a nine-and-a-half-point favorite against Texas. A&M, four-and-a-half-point favorite at Miami. I realize not all these are on that uh, Saturday. Yeah, it's I on mean, the opening weekend. Yeah, it's a... Right, they released even, a bunch of bigger, like early games. I think so. You could bet on Michigan, Ohio State. I mean, it, it, the <laughs> last game of the regular season, Michigan right now is a one point favorite against the oh, Buckeyes. Man. If I was smart, I'd load up on the butt. What are the chances Michigan beats them three times in a row? You beat them three in a row, and it's a coaching change in Columbus, isn't it? I mean, I have to, you know, that's the <laughs> word out of there, that. man. You're talking about expectations, man. And I like you know? Ryan Day. I like yeah, me too. One oh, minute I, he's going to be the next coach of the Packers. The next minute he's like, ah, you're out. Yeah, it's it's a cruel business. It's a cruel business. So, yeah. uh, a, cr- a cruel business, but a fun podcast. We hope. Appreciate it. As always, uh, Michael Haney will join us uh, next week when we get back in the, uh, the the weekly grind of things. We'll have the Hot Haney Five and we'll go over. By then we might have some answers to some of the questions that we were talking about with conference realignment and TV deals and everything else that that bubble has got to uh, burst here soon, one way or another, JC uh, enjoyed this. Oh, one big, should I, should I announce what's coming to our podcast? The little, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We got a, Uh, got a new little piece of uh, ways you can interact with us. It's going to be awesome. Right. We got a website coming. We got a website coming. So uh, it'll just be uh, like you said, a way to interact a way to uh, catch some of our, just be another outlet. Uh, I mean, we're on every podcast uh, forum out there, but we'll be able to um, to interact as well and, and do some other fun stuff with that. So that's under construction and hopefully will be released here pretty soon. So we've got a few more things coming. Uh, and as always, appreciate all of you that listen, the thousands that do each and every time and uh, the many more that uh, keep being introduced to us here on JC and Morgan. So we got plenty to look forward to here in the future for JC and Morgan on another busy uh, off season. And as always, we thank everybody for tuning in and all the new listeners that keep uh, being introduced to us. We hope we will not let you down. So for JC Sherbert, Mike Morgan saying so long. We'll see you next time on JC and Morgan. <laughs>